It's time for ROTD Weekend. A few years ago, back before the pandemic, I got to spend a couple of weeks in Alaska. And it's, you know, this time of year that the salmon start running. And I got to see them in the rivers. And I got to learn all about them, the different types and the different times of year and how the salmon come back to the river where they were spawned to lay their own eggs, like all of that. It was fascinating and wonderful. And so now every year around this time when I'm at my grocery store and I see in the fish cooler that they're there's that wild Alaskan seafood. I start seeing those first varieties show up. I get so excited. And so this year, I was super extra excited when a seafood company from Alaska asked if they could sponsor some episodes of my podcast. So as you know, I've been talking about some seafood on the show lately, and I've been talking about SenaSea.com, S-E-N-A-S-E-A. They're an amazing company that fishes sustainably for wonderful wild Alaskan seafood and then ships it to your door sustainably. They are great. Super excited to have them as a sponsor. But even more, when I found out that the owner, Sina Wheeler, is from a fifth generation fishing family and that she is super knowledgeable about all this salmon stuff that I'm obsessed with that I get so excited about, I knew that I had to talk to her and that you had to hear from her too. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Sina Wheeler from cinasea.com. Hey, Sina, welcome to the show. Hi, glad to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you now. I heard that you are in a fifth generation fishing family. That's a lot of generations fishing. Where did that all get started? It's a lot. And I like to say at least fifth generation, actually. My grandfather immigrated from Norway um, and he fished there and he learned to fish from his father. And then I saw this great obituary from his father that talked about him learning to fish from his father. And so my parents joked, it's like 300 generations forever, um, all commercial fishermen. So my grandpa and then his brothers all immigrated to Seattle, Washington area and started fishing, got boats. And so the the rest is history. My dad fished and my husband fishes and um, our son is getting a start in fishing. So that's so cool. And so now you have this fishing commercial business that is different from the other ones, right? Well, we fish. So my husband's been fishing for over 25 years now, but about eight years ago, we just fished like everybody else fished. Uh, you know, it's commercial fishing. It's wild. It's sustainable, but you sell your fish at the dock. Um, and that's what most people do. And then we decided to do this direct marketing. So it's more of about taking that fish, our fish, we have um, other fishermen we buy from, but then um, we have a custom processing facility and we process it and then we ship it. And so we have our hands on it from every step, catching, processing, and then I'm packing your box, shipping to your door. And that is, nobody else is doing that. And I know why, because it's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) That's really great. So the fish is all in, is it all from Alaska that you're fishing? Yeah, we catch all our fish in Alaska. My husband's very connected. So he knows who the fishermen are. You know, they're people that we know and trust. Plus all of Alaskan seafood is wild and sustainable. If it's caught in Alaska, it's those two things, which is really important. 
What does it mean for it to be sustainable? So wild means, of course, that it's gone out into the wild and and fattened up all by itself, eating wild uh, feed and everything like that. And sustainable is the way the fishery is managed. So um, if it's managed for sustainability, then it's not like uh, the Wild West where people are out just catching what they want. It's very, very tightly managed with permits and openings, uh, depending on the type of fish, the type of management, but it means it's managed for future generations of fish. Okay, that's really interesting. I'm assuming, just I'm guessing based on the knowledge that I have, that the fish is being caught and frozen immediately and then shipped straight. So there's no thawing in between and it's not waiting a long time before being frozen. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And we have different fish, but really, you know, for salmon, it's small boats. So guys are fishing on uh, and all salmon is caught this way. It's it, sometimes we imagine these big, you know, processor, fisher, processor boats or something, but salmon is caught at the mouth of the river in the ocean, but where the ocean meets the river and it's on small boats. There's a boat size limit. So it's 32 feet. It's one or two guys on a boat and it's chilled immediately. So that's super critical. It's the handling. As soon as that fish is brought out of the water, they're chilled and bled immediately on ice. And then we have, uh, like I said, a, a small processing facility right in town. So the, the boats come in, you offload, and then they get processed, you know, cut and frozen right away. And you're right. The clock starts ticking when that fish comes out of the water. It's all time temperature. You want to chill it as fast as you can, as quick as you can, and you want to get up that frozen. We also take some steps like wrapping in parchment, and we do a really premium vacuum seal on each portion individually. And it's all meant to keep that premium quality. You know, for us, it's like it comes out of the water perfect. We're just trying to retain that premium quality. And I just got some of your fish. It arrived the other day. I live in Florida and I'm always afraid when things come to me frozen that they're not going to make it in the Florida sunshine, but everything was definitely frozen solid. So that was fantastic. But I want to know, so I have the frozen fish. What is the best way for me to approach cooking it? What would you say I should do? Well, I say, you know, it's frozen. Keep it frozen until you're going to eat it. You can cook it frozen or defrost it. But I say defrost it right before you're going to cook it. So it's really that time in the fridge that starts eating away at your quality. Just like if you go and buy it at the store and it's been sitting in the case Mm-hmm. defrosted or refreshed or re who knows, but that time matters. So either cook it frozen or defrost it immediately. And then I love, if we're thinking salmon, you know, like the Copper River sockeye to me is it's made for the grill. It's got a gorgeous red color. It has a really bold, amazing salmon flavor. And so I don't do a ton of sauces or things that are going to cover that flavor, but I I do like a light marinade drizzle. So I might do um, olive oil, garlic, salt, lemon, a little bit of, I have some white balsamic vinegar that I might toss in there. And then I just go something green, you know, cilantro, whatever I have in the fridge, mm-hmm. green onions and toss that around. And I salt it before I put anything on it. So the salt kind of comes into the kind of soaks in or that's it's probably not the right word. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Osmosis. <laughs> but just like meat, you want to salt it early and it's going to um, tenderize and bring that flavor in. And then I just put some of that light drizzle on and put on the barbecue. So I have this contra. Well, my dad has took him years to convince me of his no flip method on the barbecue. Oh, and he puts that. it on skin side down. And I used to do it. I used to put the flesh first. So the flesh mm-hmm. is going on the hot barbecue. Give it a couple minutes. You don't want to overcook 
cook it there because it'll start to flake and then you can't get it flipped. Mm. So getting just a couple minutes, getting those sear marks and then flipping it. And I was pretty set on that, but my dad definitely worked on me for a while and he puts it on with the skin side down right on the grill and just leaves it and covers it. So you've got your sauce drizzled Mm. on it and something light, like I said, like a light marinade drizzled on it. And it's just sitting the skin side down. And then his idea is you're not losing any fat. You're not flipping it over and losing everything. Not like a morsel of fat drips out. It kind of just stays right on it. And with that lid down, you can get it to cook all the way. And I have to say, I mean, you miss the grill marks, but the flavor is really amazing. So he's kind of converted me on that one. So now I'm super curious. So my favorite way, one of my favorite ways to cook salmon is skin on under the broiler, no flip. And so I do it on a pan, like a broiler safe pan, skin up. And what Uh I say is the skin ends up crispy because it's hitting the heat of the broiler. Mm -hmm. And then the flesh is like protected a little bit from the, from the skin being there. So it ends up like more gently cooking. Uh So is it like that? I mean, it's not doing that, the fat preserving thing you're talking about. The fat does end up on on the pan a little bit, but I'm wondering if it's similar in terms of what the skin is doing, protecting and crisping. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I do have done, I have a broiler method also. I've done it with King, which is super thick. And so I've done it both. So I've, I've cooked the one side and then flipped it, put the skin up and broiled the skin. So kind of a similar concept, but I'm, I'm going to try that actually. <laughs> I think it's so fun to try. I mean, there's a lot of, there's some favorite ways, but there's so many to try. I did a crispy skin in the pan the other night. So I just had our fresh Copper River King just brought down and I was exhausted because I just brought it down, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I had to have some and I, I was like, okay, what's really easy. And I mean, salt, pepper, olive oil, put it in the pan, crisp up the skin and it was it was like the best salmon I've ever had. Oh wow. It was so amazing. I'm going, really? I just did this on a really tired weeknight. <laughs> so okay, wait, I have two I have too many directions I want to go in. I want to tell you, I am actually I've just perfected uh crispy skin air fryer salmon. Do you have an air fryer? Ooh, yes. So yes. I want to know. Yeah, my trick with this or my problem with it was continually that the air fryer was overcooking the salmon if I try to get the skin crispy. And so what Mm -hmm. I've done is now I take the salmon out when it's ready, even if the skin isn't crisp, and take the skin off and put it back in, weighted down by a little bit of a trivet. The salmon rests for a minute and then the skin gets like bacon crispy and goes on top. It's unbelievable. You just blew my mind. (laughs) It's so great. Okay. I love that. Okay. Well, I'm sure that's wonderful. I played around with black cod or sable fish, which Mm -hmm. is one of our um, ground fish or white fish. And it's really good in the air fryer and that's because it's super high omega omega Mm threes really oily and it doesn't overcook so you can do it in the air fryer it's really fun really amazing and you can get that the top crispy it's it's fun because it's so moist no matter what well I, i know that that is in the box that i got from you so i'm gonna i'm gonna try that in the air fryer for sure you were mentioning copper river salmon and you i think your husband is there now i've never known i know that we're supposed to know like copper river salmon is the best salmon it's so good. What makes it so good? How is it different from the other Alaskan salmon? Absolutely. Everybody asks and and they always like, is it just a big marketing scam? You know, no, it's real. Uh, the different salmon, they return to their river that they spawn from mm-hmm. and they're different. They're different down to the DNA, but they are special. And the three main reasons 
happens is number one, Copper River are first. So they spawn first. So they're the first wild salmon available on the planet, which is a really big deal. I mean, if you're eating wild salmon, there's been nothing fresh all winter long. And so that fresh Copper River is like, and I love it, it's spring. It's like the the veggies are coming on, you know, fresh produce, fresh Copper River. It's, it's like, oh yeah, I'm ready for that. So number one is it's first. Number two is the omega-3s. So the high fat, just like beef. I mean, beef is really graded by how much fat, how much marbling. So in fish, it's all about the fat. And lucky for fish, the fat is in the form of omega-3s, which is also super healthy. So it's like, it makes it taste good, um, oily, delicious, buttery, but it also is healthy. So you're kind of getting a win-win with that. And the Copper River, because that river is so cold, so fast, so swift, so kind of treacherous, those fish put on more omega-3s. So that's one huge reason that Copper River, if you taste it, you just go, yeah, that's the best fish I've ever had. And that's why. Mm -hmm. So my third is just, it's a slower fishing than other commercial fishing. So everybody knows it's kind of rare. The fish don't come in just like this wall of fish and you have fish everywhere. The fishermen have time. They're hand picking every single fish and they're hand chilling it. So that time and attention on board handling, and they know Copper River is the best. So they're handling it the best. Mm -hmm. They know this is like number one fish. Mm -hmm. So that makes a difference. All those little things on the handling makes a difference. That is fascinating. And I didn't know any of those things. I have questions about them. Why are they first? (laughs) So salmon just have their natural spawning cycles. And they know, I mean, it's nature. It's incredible. You know, I mean, if you really think about it, it's, it's incredible when you think about salmon, like, like we're not as humans putting any inputs, they're just going out and fattening themselves up and coming back. It's magical. Mm-hmm. And it's about a four or five year lifespan on these copper rivers. So different rivers have different, they, they come back when they come back and they're about four years and they, they're like waiting at the mouth of the river. And then a certain amount of glacier till melt, I mean, they just start spawning. And so they spawn when they spawn and they're like clockwork. If it's a little bit colder in the river that year, they might spawn a little later, things like that. But, you know, mid-May, they're coming. And then um, other salmon, like like Bristol Bay salmon in, in Alaska, it's mid-July. Yeah. And that's when they come. So it's just, you know, they have their own clock. So are the Copper River, are they all one like species of salmon or kind of salmon or do they, are they different ones? Within Copper River, I know that it's confusing because I, I think of it like wine sometimes because it's like terroir. I mean, it's like yeah. the territory, the species like is it, very, um, is confusing because at all the different rivers that you might get salmon, they all have the five species. The three big ones, Copper River King is the top, tip tops the best. It's the king. Copper River sockeye is red, bold flavor, and it's the most abundant. So it's going to run longer than the king. They run together, but the sockeye is longer. And then in the fall is the Copper River coho. And that is like a whole nother profile. It's milder and goes really well with, say, sauces and fall flavors. So it's like, how did nature get this so right? I don't know. And so if I'm understanding then, if it's Copper River, it doesn't matter which of the ones it's going to be a sort of 
fattier, Mm -hmm. more like high quality version of whichever of those types. Yes, that's right. So um, coho is the lower omega threes of of all of them. But so it's like coho's around the world. It's like, okay, well, it's the highest of all the other cohos. Okay, sockeye has its similar characteristics, but if it's copper river, it's a little bit higher omega three sockeye. Mm -hmm. And then like king is always great. But if it's copper river is is like the greatest of the great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it is really interesting because it's the species and then the location. Wonderful. Now, okay, so salmon has their season and it's starting now. The other fish the, that you've sent me that you guys specialize in, the halibut and the black cod, the sable fish, do they have mm-hmm. seasons too? Yeah, so that's um, in Alaska, we call it like a ground fish. So we do halibut, black cod or sable fish, and then a little bit of lingcod, rock fish, Pacific cod. Those are fish caught in Alaska on long liners. And um, they have a much broader season. So they're not caught. Um, they're not so specific like salmon because it's not like on the spawn. Mm-hmm. So their season is about April to October. And um, they use a quota system. So the fishermen, it, they're sustainably managed in terms of the total catch. And the fishermen have a lot more control on um, when to go out and catch that, you know, depending on the weather and things like that. And so it's differently managed, mm-hmm. but both sustainably, but very different. Okay. I want to get into one more thing. And this is, you mentioned it and I know about it, cooking the fish straight from frozen. So you're chilling it right when it's caught and then you're freezing it right away and it's coming to my door frozen. And you're saying either thaw it like right before cooking it, probably in cold water or cook it straight from frozen. Do you have tips or like, why am I doing that? And do you have tips for doing that? Yeah. So, I mean, one reason is basically you haven't started that clock. So it's like a stopwatch when it comes out of the water and it's um, being chilled. Okay. Start the clock. When it's frozen, you really get to stop that clock. And so cooking it frozen, number one, you don't have to start that clock up again. So you're really retaining that quality. Number two, it's just really easy. I mean, I forget to pull fish out or I forget to pull meat out all the time. And so having that flexibility, our portions are six ounce individually wrapped portions. So I call it fast food. You know, it's like I can literally make, you know, some black cod in the in a pan in the oven as fast as I could make dino nuggets. So I have no excuse. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love it. And then also it retains some moisture. So if you're cooking the fish and it's, I really think of halibut for this method because halibut is super lean and it's easy to dry out halibut. It's like, it's like a razor's edge and you know, you lose that moisture and it dries out. But when you catch it before it dries out, it is so like meaty and the texture is Mm -hmm. just so amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So uh, halibut is a really nice one for that because it's frozen. You're just, you're like keeping that center from overcooking. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a little more wiggle room, I think, when mm-hmm. you're cooking it. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. Well, Sina, this has been wonderful. Can you let people know where they can find out more about you, what you guys are doing, how they can get their hands on some of this fish? What's the best place for them to go? Absolutely. Check out our website, sinasea.com, S-E-N-A-S-E-A.com, and see what we have to offer. We ship nationally. Like you know, you're in Florida. We ship from (laughs) Washington State. And so we really pride ourselves on shipping premium to your door. It's going to come frozen. It's going to be premium. And jump on our email list. So you'll see it if you scroll to the bottom. We give 10% off if you get on. But that's also where 
I love to communicate with people. We have this really great group. We have wonderful people. And I spend a lot of time, you know, just kind of educating and sharing recipes and what's in season. And I've just found it's been a really fun way to connect with our people. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Isn't that so fascinating? I find that whole thing about the Copper River salmon and how they have more muscle from working so hard and being in the cold waters and that makes them so delicious. I find that so fascinating. I hope you loved hearing from Sina. Definitely go and check her out. Everything that she's doing on their Instagram, Sina C underscore seafoods and head to their website, S-E-N-A-S-E-A.com. And if you subscribe for their mailing list, you get 10% off your purchase and you get their free family e-cookbook. So cool to find out what the Alaskan seafood experts are cooking, right? So as you know, I have changed things up in my business lately and I am taking a much more active role in the photography and videography and doing a lot more of the recipe development that I was doing before. I was always doing quite a bit of it, but now I'm doing all of it, which is so much fun. I actually love that I've turned back into the kitchen. I mean, if I really like talk about it with you, what happened was after years of cooking for my family and then turning it into a business and it becoming a job, I was just exhausted of being in the kitchen. It didn't feel creative. It didn't feel fun. I started to do a lot more of the behind the scenes computer-based work and I was hiring chefs and recipe developers a lot of the time. And, you know, over the last few months, I don't know, six months, I have started craving to be in the kitchen again. I've pulled out my camera more than once to take pictures of things and I was like, you know what? It is time. I want to get back in there and I am having a blast. There has been some of a learning curve going on, but it really has been a lot of fun. So I would love to hear what you think. I have to say I'm feeling a little bit nervous about it, putting my pictures back out there again and everything, but I really would love to hear what you think. So I'm going to tell you about two of the recipes that I've done recently that are already live. So one is for turkey meatloaf over on the cookful. This recipe, oh my God, you guys, I made this, I tested it, I got it down and it is juicy and delicious and meaty. When you see the picture, you'll see that the the meat itself is not like super white like ground turkey and that's because there's a little bit of Worcestershire sauce in there. It makes it just a little bit browner and that adds so much rich meaty flavor. I think the seasoning is spot on and it cooks reasonably quickly. It's a small one pound turkey meatloaf that is in the oven for about 40 minutes and the barbecue sauce on there like just I'll be honest with you I just used the Sweet Baby Ray original. It is so good. I had some leftovers in the fridge after testing the last batch and I was seriously standing in the fridge looking for something to eat while eating bits of meatloaf. You know what I mean? Really, really good, even cold and sliced in the sandwiches. Amazing. And I'm pretty happy with how the picture turned out. You know, meatloaf is not an easy thing to shoot. It's not exactly the prettiest of dishes, but I think it turned out pretty good. So you have to go check that out. It is the turkey meatloaf over on thecookful.com. The link will be in the show notes for this podcast episode or just head to thecookful.com and search for turkey meatloaf. You'll see it there. The other recipe that I have tested and shot the pictures of and put up on the site is for a ground beef and potato skillet. This one took several rounds of testing. My kids 
kids adamantly did not like what I was doing. I was kind of first doing like almost a tomato-based little sauce in there, kind of like the ground beef and rice skillet from the site that everybody loves so much. I was just sort of changing it out with potatoes and keeping it the same, but it wasn't working. They were like, I don't like this. Why is it tomato-y? What is this sauce? And then I tried doing more like a beef hash, so kind of like a milky gravy kind of thing with the ground beef and potatoes. And my son was like, is this soup? And I'm like, no, 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 it's not soup. I wasn't doing it right. And then I realized that really potatoes and ground beef and onions and peppers together, what that is, is more like a hash. You know what I mean? So then I ended up testing it and getting it to like a drier recipe that is incredible with a fried egg on top. But this one is done all in one skillet. And the trick is that you brown the potatoes first and then move them to the side of the skillet. Then you add the ground beef to the other half and you let that brown really good on the underside. And then you start mixing them together and adding the onions and peppers. So you're doing it all in one skillet, all kind of side by side and then incorporating it together. The flavor is incredible. And I think the picture turned out pretty good. So I really hope you will check that out. Let me know what you think. That one is on cookthestory.com. It's the ground beef and potato skillet. As to what I am testing and shooting in the days ahead, you know, my websites have a lot of specialization and expertise in like basic cuts of meat, how to cook things like how to cook skirt steak, how to cook flank steak, how to roast pork, like these very basic like cuts of meat and how best to cook them. And lately I've been getting emails and questions about some other cuts that I was not super expert at doing myself, which has evolved into me, of course, doing a lot of testing and I'm pretty excited about it. So what you're going to be seeing coming up soon are some beef tips, steak tips. That's what that is. I'm working on a tri-tip steak as well. And I am braising some beef shank. That's like beef osobuco and the veal shank, the veal osobuco. So those are all things that I'm testing right now. And oh, there is a ground turkey pasta that's got like parmesan tomato. It was like a rosé sauce. It is unbelievably delicious. That is going up on the cookful, I believe this coming week. So those are all things to know that are coming up soon on the site. And then I am working on. I hope you check them out. Keep coming back to Cook the Story and the Cookville to see what we are doing, what I'm working on. And let me know. Email me if there's something you really want me to try that you want perfected. I would love the challenge. You can email me at cookthestory at gmail.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me there. Or message me on Instagram. I am at cookthestory on Instagram. I hope you are having a wonderful weekend. I hope you liked my conversation with Sina and that it's inspired you to try some of that amazing Alaskan seafood. Do check out their site, sinasea.com and sign up for that email list for that 10% off your purchase and their family cookbook. I am Christine Pittman from cookthestory.com, thecookful.com, the all-new chicken cookbook, and from this podcast recipe of the day. Have a wonderful day. Let's get cooking.